Support for WMNF comes from listeners like you and the Times Festival of Reading on Saturday, November 11th. The festival brings authors writing about today's compelling topics and most read fiction for discussions about their books. This year, the Times Festival of Reading will be at the Palladium in St. Petersburg. More information at festivalofreading.com. That's one word, festivalofreading.com. Yeah. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's Friday. It's it's a cool Friday outside, too. Finally. Those of, those of us that have just, uh, you know, stepped outside for the first time and, and not really kind of thinking about things, uh, the early mornings are cool. We're, they require a wrap, whatever that is, or a light jacket. I just got back from three days of lovely, chilly weather in New York City. And for those of you who are wondering who I is and the I just got back, that's John Dingfelder's voice, ladies and gentlemen. Well, who the heck are you? And there you go. Thank you. You're listening. That's bellworthy. <laughs> You're listening to Down and Dirty on Friday morning. It's 10 a.m. And you should be here with us because that's where you should be each and every Friday morning. My name is Mario Nunez. And today we're going to be covering a couple of different topics, which we always do. Hot topics, things that we think you should be in the know of. But first and foremost, how was New York? Oh, it was wonderful. Got to spend, uh, go trick-or-treating with the grandkids. Oh, and. You it was so nice up there and just uh, actually they're in a lovely neighborhood of Brooklyn in Brooklyn and or Brooklyn. As, as I they say, say. Brooklyn. <laughs> Come on. You can do better. Anyway, we had a great time and uh, but it's nice to be back in the loving arms of my wife. There you go. So you flew solo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I really, I really thought right. you were going to say the loving arms of Mario. E- easier. Of Mario. Easy, that's not bellworthy. Easier, <laughs> easier, yeah. Easier uh, to, to navigate those, uh, you know, the airports and, you know, when you, when you go solo. Yeah, I'm thinking well, you, you go with move, an entourage. fast. Even, yeah. Even with my bad knees. That's right. But, um, you know, it's funny. I was listening to her t- uh, talk about reading. Uh, what is it? Reading month or reading something or other. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a trash. I bought a trash novel, a, J- a Grisham, John Grisham trash novel, and I was reading that on the plane. Is that an oxymoron? I don't know. Is, does Grisham write trash well, novels? It wasn't totally trash. There I mean, you go. It wasn't like soft porn trash. There, it was, yeah, it was, it was like, legal. It was a law novel. Just, it was yeah. a law novel. Law trash. There you go. Paper law trash. Pa- <laughs> paperback. Right. John Grisham uh, wannabe. Soft, soft. There you go. So, so, and it was a good flight back and forth. Fourth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Delta. Is that your old? No, no, no. American. American, American for sure. Me. But you know, listen, they fly out of here. Uh, Delta goes north, south, east, and west out of here. They the got Delta, a big presence of The Delta TIA. return was very nice. Jet blue. Eh. Well, you know. It was okay. It's about convenience of schedule, My I, goodness, I would think. they can cram a lot of people in there. And they do. Yeah. And, and they do. Not it's an extra seat. Sardine can. You were flies. traveling, Jason. Yeah, I can't stand planes, man. I can't stand well, planes. I don't know how you did it, to be honest, Mario. I can't stand planes, man. Well, you, if you if it's something, well, see, that's just it. If you can't stand anything, you're going to get a lot of anything. You're going to get a lot of whatever you can't and stand. And I can stand very little. There you go. And you can't push on an open door. So, so I, I embraced it because it was fun for me. That's And it was at the oh, time yeah. of my life where it was oh, yeah. fun. yeah. It's a different thing. Travel. It's a different thing being crammed in a seat for three hours. You're up working. You're saying hello. You're very. Not, you're a very social guy. Not to mention when you get to where you're going, you're you're there. 
Yeah. And they paid you to go there as opposed to paying to go there. So it's a whole different thing. When they pick you up at the airport, VIP style, actually, it was just a van. But when they pick you up and they take you where you need to and they give you a hotel room key, it's like, okay, this is okay. There's a swimming pool, weight yeah. room. Thank you. Well, so a, a good shall we seg into, into the things yeah, in our so fall? I, I was thinking about the song that we open with, Give Us Dirty Laundry. And yeah. you know what? We're down and dirty. Um, well, we're starting a little light today. But we're down and dirty. But and we every, work into it. Every Friday morning at, from 10 to 11, uh, we try and bring you some interesting topics, and we try and dig in a little deeper. Yeah. And, um, and we'll have, we have some fun with it. We're not all serious all the time. Thank God. And today we're going to be talking about... Mario? Okay. So today we're going to be giving you a little bit of... The Ebor City stuff. Yeah. It's gut wrenching, man. Uh, it's gut wrenching because those of us that have been here for a minute and seen Ebor City go from, from this to that and back to this again, I think that we could safely say that, you know, Ebor City stock has been on the rise. Ebor City has been a destination point for a lot yeah. of folks. A lot of people are working super hard to make sure that they eradicate all of that funky stuff that goes on late into the hours and then it takes one episode like we just recently experienced, to set us back and put everybody back on their heels again. Yep. It's like, damn, damn it, just when I figured, just when we figured we had gotten this worked out, we, we end up with, with fatalities and, and, and shootings, and but it's I wanna, not good. But I want a silver lining it if I can, because, like, listen, obviously it's a loss of life and a lot of injured, and there's nothing to, you know, smile at there. But Senseless. yesterday, Senseless. if you watched Council, man, Ebor came out in defense of itself. Uh, I mean, like, as someone who takes the words of the great Beastie Boys to heart. I was very proud to see Citizens of Tampa fight for our right to party because that's what yesterday was, and we were successful. And uh, the motion that was going to be proposed by Councilwoman Henderson to shutter the bars at 1 a.m., which, frankly, according to Andrea Zellman, who's the city attorney, is not really constitutional or lawful. It, uh, it dissipated into the mist, and uh, Ebor will reign to party once again. And, like, you know... It will bounce back. Uh, I had a conversation the other day randomly with a member of the uh, Times editorial board. They asked me if I knew when the last mass shooting in Ebor was. You know, I think it's three or more people wounded. It was 2002. So, you know, Ebor is still pretty safe. And this can happen, unfortunately, in any place in America. Uh, and, that's, and, that's, and that's my point. Um, I looked at some of the crime statistics geographically. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying we don't have a crime problem. We have a violent, you know, a violent crime problem. We have gun problem. All across this country, but we have a gun problem in the city, and but it's not an Ebor city per se. It's it's not at all. I mean, uh, there are sections of town, and we all know where they are, where there is a a lot of gun violence. There's a lot of killings, um, you know, just street killings. Um, I think some of them are drug 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 deal related. Some of them are gang related, um, and it's not a good thing. But for Ebor to take the rap, I'm up in New York a day or two after, a couple of days after this happened, and uh, you know, and there Tampa is, on, you know, on the news, uh, on the news in New York City, and they're talking about Ebor City uh, and just Tampa in general, but Ebor City specifically, and it's a bum rap. I'm it glad, is. Jason, you're absolutely right. I'm glad the people of of Ebor, the bartenders, the owners, the business people, people who love Ebor. People who live in Ebor, yeah. specifically people who live, people who live there yeah. and make that their home and walk those streets as a matter of course every day. You know, a lot of people are transient. They come in and out. 
to look for shenanigans. How's your buddy? Uh, what's we had on? What's, yeah, Joe, what's he say about Joe, Joe? Howden? Joe Howden was interviewed by Channel 8. Uh, and and he too is you know of the understanding that these things are anomalies. They don't that it's not reflective of the of the constituents in Ebor City. Um, knee jerk reaction, maybe a little bit by our city council to try to to try to stymie you know. And again, the lines were long yesterday at public comment uh, at City Hall, um, and that's good though, right? Because you have citizen participation. So so, so, so they, they had to put they had to put people downstairs because Chambers was overflowing. I mean, yeah. they had an additional hour and a half of public comment of just people who had come there to defend Ebor, defend Ebor's good name. And I mean, like, you know, we're going to get into some of this stuff later over the course well, of the program. Well, we've got a special guest coming yeah, on in a couple do. of minutes. He's calling in as Chief Brian Dugan uh, is, is going to give us a call and give us his insight. Chief Dugan uh, was a chief for several years under, under Buckhorn. I think he carried on under Jane Castor for a while, and then he retired and that now he's free to say pretty much anything he wants. Which is wonderful. And if you'd like to join our conversation, we'd like to hear from you. Call us at 813-239-9663. Irene is standing by to take your call. You can always email at email dj at wmnf.org. Or you can text us at 813-433-0885. We figured that today's conversation is very prescient. And, and it's one that everybody has an opinion on. Um, you know... Ebor City has always been someplace mystical, magical, different, mm-hmm. and it's evolved over the years. We talk about it here pretty frequently on the show that everybody has their version yeah, of Ebor City. Everybody's got their own Ebor, and, and most of it is romantic, of course. Uh, people of a certain age, different, you know, different genres, different uh, generations have their memory, and and of course, the young whippersnapper at the board, you know, he's got his right to party. He's, you know, he wants to fight for his right to party, which is all well and good. You and I want to fight for our right to sleep. We want to fight for our right to <laughs> stroll down the La Avenida, as it were, and just and good. take it easy. You know, t- just stay, take it easy there, big fella. So join us on the conversation. Again, that number is 813-239-9663. Yeah, and uh, we have our special guest caller calling in right now. Even while uh, Chief Dugan is on the phone, you can call in and ask him questions, ask us questions. 813-239-9663. Let's bring in our guest. Chief Dugan, are you there? We're so happy that you are. Yes, thank you for having me. Hey, Chief, John Dingfelder. How's it going, man? It's going well. It's going well. I'm glad to hear you survived New York. <laughs> yeah, you've got a little history up there, don't you? I'm more of a Pennsylvania guy. All right. Well, I knew the accent was from somewhere up there. <laughs> a little bit north of the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. <laughs> Chief, how long have you been retired now? I can't remember. Believe it or not, it's been two years. Wow. It's, uh, it's flown by um, to be completely honest with you, which I think you know I usually am uh, to a fault, but uh, there is parts of me that misses it, and there are parts of me that is so glad I'm out of there. Um, I like to say I um, I miss the inmates, but not the prison, but I don't miss all the inmates. <laughs> it, must be, um, it must be quite a task just managing, what is, what is it, a thousand, a thousand members of the police, Tampa Police uh, Force? Uh, yeah, just a, they're up to a thousand now. I think I had nine eighty, nine seventy five, something like that. And then you have a total of thirteen hundred employees, and it's uh, it's an interesting task um, being the chief of police and 
trying to hold cops accountable, try to keep the community safe. It's a, it's a delicate balance. Um, it's a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, and I used to say it was probably one of the loneliest but best jobs I ever had. Yeah, I mean, you know, just the day-to-day uh, work, the day-to-day position is uh, taxing. And then all of a sudden you get Super Bowls, you get Gasparilla parades, you get shootings in, in Seminole Heights that put you on the map, I, I know. Um, you know, the, then life goes crazy, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. You're just... Um you wake up in the morning and you go, okay, I'm going to address these problems, and then something happens, and that to-do list went out the door, and you had to reprioritize. And unfortunately, sometimes you don't ever really get back to that original to-do list. So, you know, cutting to the chase um, on, what is it, about a week ago, mm-hmm. Saturday night? Correct. Less than a week ago, I guess, yeah. uh, on Saturday night. Forty-seven in the morning on Sunday, technically. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sunday, Sunday morning. Um, and that's our infamous Jason Marlowe chiming in over there. Keeping time. Keeping time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we had that uh, tragic shooting over there, and it probably reminded you of, of some of the things that you went through. Um, when did you first hear about it, and what were your feelings? You know, I was um, in Orlando doing what I do best nowadays, drinking and playing golf. And uh, <laughs> when I got the uh, um, the, the text about it, it you know, it it one broke my heart, but also kind of outraged me because, you know, we've been, I spent 31 years at the Tampa police department. Thank you. We have gone back and forth. Thank you. And we've gone back and forth about Ybor city and it's, it's truly a gem of an area. Um, I think as a country, we sometimes fail to, um, protect our, our history. Ybor has done a, a good job of trying to do that. Um, but it certainly is a, a challenge on how you police Ebor, how you keep it safe. When you have that many businesses, everybody has their, their own opinion how things should be done. But it was, you know, heartbreaking to hear. And as time has gone on this week, I, I really became kind of angry and outraged over the whole thing because there's so many different problems in our world right now that I think affect what happened. Um, you know, whether it be our, our schools, our uh, economic issues, you know, social issues, whatever it is, you know, you look at, you have, you know, basically two groups that I think now they've arrested one and now they identified two other shooters from what media outlets are saying. So um, now you have three people who are shooting at each other. Fortunately, only, I shouldn't say only, but we're lucky it weren't more people were shot. Um, Just innocent bystanders, right? Yeah. I mean, the one 20-year-old was truly an innocent bystander. He, uh, him and some friends had stopped down just to see what was going on. The reason I know this is a friend of mine knows that family. Hmm. And, you know, he was with two other people. They heard the gunshots. They jump on the ground. Um, They say, let's go. And they're trying to get them. Hey, let's go. We're leaving. And next thing you know, he's laying there dead. So it's, it's tragic. The 14-year-old who had a gun in his waistband, um, you know, nobody wants to ever put the victims on on trial, so to speak. But you do have to question why a 14-year-old was in Ybor City at 3 o'clock in the morning with a gun in his waistband. Wow. wow. And that, that was according to media reports. Wow. So you and, um, and your good friend, uh, Councilman Bill Carlson, actually have something in common, Chief. 
And if, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Chief Brian Dugan, who retired from Tampa Police Department two years ago. Uh, Brian, I've got you. I've got you hanging there, waiting with bated breath about what I'm going to say that you and, and Councilman Carlson have in common. But in all seriousness, Bill Carlson said that we have some systemic problems, and I think you alluded to the same thing. You know that that uh, we've got some systemic social issues that perhaps we're really not addressing in a serious way as a community and you know until these tragedies hit what do you th- what do you say to that Brian yeah you know i thought you were going to say originally the only thing bill and i had in common is that we don't like each other but, um, <laughs> but but usually when you don't like someone it's because you probably have some type of common ground you're just refusing to discuss it yeah in a different um, way of approach deep. a different way of approaching things you know yeah and um but i do agree i think that it's you know, it's a systemic issue of, you know, kids in their schools. I mean, let's not be naive. Um, our school system, it's its not um, equitable. I'm not sure what the right word is. Sounds like a good one. No, that works. Um, you know, you go to one neighborhood where the, the parents are heavily involved in the school, which usually has a tremendous positive impact. And then you go to other neighborhoods where there's very little parental participation. They struggle, and I know this firsthand because I was involved, and they struggle with getting kids to school on time. Um, you know, even the, in particular the young kids. And I question why we don't have police officers in our elementary schools. And I think that would help start building community relations, in particular with the kids. When you look at the good job, the phenomenal job, uh, that we have done over the years, and I say we just as a, as a country with Mothers Against Drunk Driving, I mean, all the educational stuff they've done with drunk driving awareness, you don't see many young people getting arrested for DUI. It's the old white guys like me, quite frankly. And um, not that I've been arrested, but my demographic. Sure, um, sure. But, you know, and so maybe we need to start taking this approach with law enforcement in the schools and getting more into gun violence at a very young age. And I know people get freaked out over that. Uh, but, but you're, you're absolutely right. Even, even something like littering, you know, you, you, you pound it at an early age and, and, you know, I don't think young people, I don't think teenagers and 20 year olds and that sort of thing. I think they're much more cognizant about those types of things. All my homies hate litterers. There you go. Yep. I mean, it's it's right. I mean, so I, I, you know, I don't. I think those are some ideas that we need to start talking about because, like I said, I, I, um, you know, I'm very concerned about what is dragging these people down, these type of people down there that they're using gun violence to settle squabbles. Um, you know, nobody has a fist fight anymore; they just start shooting at each other. So we've and, got uh, we've got we've got several retired or ex-police, Tampa police chiefs in the neighborhood. I was thinking about uh, Chief, uh, my good friend Steve Hogue, uh, yourself, Mayor Castor, of course, um, uh, Delgado for a short period of time. So when something like this happens, do, do you hear from uh, Chief Burkall? Lee Burkall is now the current uh, TPD chief. Do you hear from him? Do you Do you guys reach out and have coffee with them and bang ideas around, or how does that work if you're if you're an ex chief? You know, usually 
when I was chief, I reached out to a variety of people for different stuff. When you're the former chief, you really try not to bother them too much because they just have so much going on and they're trying to, um, you know, uh, they're just trying to make their own mark, so to speak, and have their own identity. And sometimes the former chief can, can kind of cloud that. Right. You know, you know, and I can speak from personal experience having a mayor as my boss. He used to be the chief of police. <laughs> An um, interesting dynamic for sure. Yeah, Mario, you got a call coming in. We do. We just got a call right now. Chief, can we take this call? Maybe they've got an interesting sure. question for you. We'll go to our caller. They've only listen. This is the quickest we've ever taken a call. I got to be honest with you. No. This person better be feeling good about themselves because thirty seconds in, we're going to take this call. Person. Caller, thank you for being there. You have a, a question for the chief today, and and uh, please turn down your radio so you can talk to us. Give us your name. Where are you from? Exactly. Thank you. This is Connie calling from Tampa. I just wanted to echo what the chief said that there's really social dynamic issues going on in this city. A big, heavy uh, load of poverty that exists. No one is addressing the social uh, issues, and also a 14-year-old child. And when you look at the heavy-handed suspension and expulsion that is happening with minority children, no accountability there. So until we're willing to have honest discussions, we're going to see 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds acting irresponsible because adults are running away from issues. Thank you. Connie, thank you for your call. We appreciate that. That was um, Connie calling from Tampa. Good and, points all. And Con Connie, I think uh, we all know who you are. I'm not going to out you on the radio, but I, but I appreciate all you do in the community. Um, you know, uh, you, you have been outspoken. One of, of those activists who shows up. Yep. Doesn't talk. She doesn't talk the talk. She walks it. Yep. And we, we, we appreciate it. We might not always disagree on everything, but I, but I think we appreciate all your hard work and your heart and how much you feel for the community. Brian, uh, any, any response to Connie? No, it's, uh, you know, Connie was one of the first people to file an internal affairs complaint on me. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> our relationship had evolved so much that we're, we're very good friends. And even though I don't get to see her much anymore, um, I, we agree on probably nine out of 10 topics than, than, uh, what people would think. And, like I said, I think it is a systemic issue. Um, you know, if some of these kids and people in general had jobs, uh, you know, I will never forget as a young cop making an arrest at some nightclub on a on a Friday night, and um, we arrested one person but not the other. And really, the one person that got arrested because he refused to leave. He'd been drinking, and that's usually what happens. You know, you're drinking, you're you're not usually have your wits about you. And I remember the judge asked me, well, why did you arrest him and not the other guy? And I said, well, because the other guy cooperated and left, and he refused to leave. And he kind of looked at me, and I said, well, Your Honor, if we arrest everyone who acts like a jackass on a, in a nightclub on the weekends, nobody's going to be available to go to work on Monday. <laughs> and sometimes that was the only thing that really kept people out of going to jail was they realized, like, I can't spend the night in jail. I have a job I have to be at in the morning. And... I just think that's it's such a much bigger issue as to why we're having some of the problems we're having in the world today. 
Well, can I ask, a, for, if you don't mind, can, your reaction on Councilwoman Henderson's motion yesterday, like whether or not you would be supportive or if, you know, if but so, shut, yes, shutting, if not, well, yeah, down early of so. shutting eboard down. I mean, obviously it can't be done, as explained by Andrea Zellman, the city attorney, but like would you have been or, or not be supportive of that kind of motion, having, you know, your experience? You know, I, w- I would have been in support of it. The actual, if you there was a letter to the editor um, or an op-ed, I believe is what they called by Daryl Shaw, one of the main investors in the area, and he had he had also suggested. It. I was looking at it as a temporary pause to buy some time for the community, the police department, the the um, businesses, and Ebor to try to find a common ground. Um, you know. I don't know. Like I, like I can tell you, I would expect this coming weekend will be the safest weekend in Ebor in years because there's probably going to be cops everywhere. Um, you know, so I'm kind of torn on that. When I heard, I watched yesterday or listened, quite frankly, a lot of the, the council things. Um, when I hear business owners and bartenders talk about how you know it was going to affect their wages, which I, I agree, I totally get that, um, but. You know, you uh, you don't think this shooting of 18 people affected your business? I mean, trust me, you're you're going to lose business if these types of things continue to happen. The, the only thing that bothers me about about it is sort of using Ebor as a scapegoat. Yes. Because because Brian, you can tell us better than anybody that you know there's a lot of shootings going on elsewhere. You know, not every week, but every couple of weeks. And, you know, and it's not on 7th Avenue in Ybor City. It's elsewhere in town. Uh, you know, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing over there? Anyway, Mario, you got another? Uh, you got I do have another caller, but I've got a quick question for the chief. Chief, sure. I, I, last week we had uh, the Firefighters Union uh, representative in here, and uh, we were talking all things firefighting. And I came up with what I thought was a brilliant question. It must have been brilliant. Uh, it, it, I thought it was. And, and it, was, uh, it was something like, hey, uh, whatever happened to the hook and ladder? And, of course, we chuckled in the studio because, you know, kids of a certain age who aspired to be firefighters always wanted to be on the back of that thing, driving that thing, because it was seemed like the coolest job uh, on the force. And so my question as it relates to the police force is whatever happened to the paddy wagon? And, and the paddy wagon, I'm going to ring a bell for the paddy wagon, because I'm thinking if we can bring something back like that, uh, not only does it wax nostalgic, but if you parked one on one end of 7th Avenue and one on the other end of 7th Avenue, it's just a gentle, subtle reminder that the force is uh, in the house and that if you act a fool, uh, we're going to get you in here and we're going we're to whisk you right away. I'm just, it, it just seems like those kinds of presence, you know, whether it's mounted police or whether it's the, the, the cop on the beat who's walking and he's, in, he's, he's down in, in the trenches, so to speak, that presence it, it can, and, and I think at some point should deter. Chief, what do you think about that paddy wagon? Well, I can tell you, you clearly need a 101 lesson of political correctness. You can't call it a paddy wagon anymore. All right, okay, well, okay. All right, well, school the rest of us. I don't know the word paddy wagon is, but... I could tell you that it's a slam on the Irish, but as an Irishman, we use it as a badge of honor. Not We're not, we don't, doesn't bother us, but it's, it's now we have to call it a transport wagon. But no, I get what you're saying. Um... You know, the problem with those type of things is you have to staff them. Um, it can become a little bit of a problem where if some drunk buddy is inside the paddy wagon. They end up sitting there for an extended period of time. And it just, 
it, it becomes complicated. But I get what you're saying. I think you're talking more also, though, more of a police presence. And deterrence. Uh, yeah, yeah more police presence and deterrence. And forgive me for my ignorance. I, I guess you can tell I'm a certain age because if you can't use that term anymore, what are we supposed to call that thing now? The, the <laughs> transport wagon. But, <laughs> but in, all seri- in all seriousness, the... You've Transport. got, you've got. I got the chief to chuckle. That was my intention, chief. <laughs> I just wanted to tickle you a little bit on that. Just start singing the Irish eyes or, or smiling. Hey, let's go. We can do that. But, but in all seriousness, I think I read Brian that there were weren't there fifty cops out there, you know, uh, in a small in a small area of Ybor City, right? The other night. Yeah, that's what the that's what uh, the mayor had said. Um, that is what the police department is saying. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's. You know, the problem you have with these type of things is, and John, you know better than this, how do police departments keep people safe without over-policing? You know, you're more than familiar with anybody about the whole biking while black scandal. Um, And I think that was more of a lack of communication from the police department than anything else where we didn't explain it properly. Now the DOJ yeah. is investigating the uh, crime-free apartment yeah. housing Renting thing. while black. Renting while black, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, and, um, you know, that is a little bit frustrating for me because uh, I don't know if Miss Connie's still listening, but I sat down with her and Yvette Lewis at the NAACP and we discussed a lot of things and made some changes to the program. Right. Um, you know, it's one thing to commit a crime uh, on the property of a of a uh, apartment complex. You know, you can't have residents run around selling drugs and jacking each other. Um, those are certainly grounds for an eviction, in my opinion. But when we were reporting, uh, and this was a national program, but when you're reporting that someone is shoplifting at the local 7-Eleven, yeah. why should that affect who lives in his apartment? Sure. So we did make some tweaks like that. I don't think we it was um, carried out like it should have been. Uh, but, yeah, so the point is every time law enforcement, in particular in Tampa, and, look, I was part of these things. I'm not, I'm not dumping this responsibility on anybody else. But anytime we try to do something a little out of the box and everything, you have to be careful that, you know, the perceptions, you have to look at the data. And we didn't always have that type of information available. And sometimes with so many things in life, what starts off as a good idea usually kind of ends up being, boy, that wasn't such a good idea. Yeah. Well, it's always a balance in policing between, you know, between constitutional liberties and and uh, and security and public public safety. Mario, you got a call. Two and, calls and to follow in. up and to dovetail on what you're saying, the court of public opinion can be oh, brutal definitely. as well. So every it's a, it's a, a tough course at times to navigate. We've got a gentleman calling us, Mike from Sarasota. You're on the air. Tell us uh, what's for, on your mind. Thank you for taking my call. Before I comment, I just have one question. You were talking about a 14 year old boy caught with a pistol in his uh, in his waistband. Uh, was he the victim or the shooter, and what was his race? I don't know if we're going to get into race uh, right today, but I will. I will tell you that he, tragically enough, he died. Um, I don't know if he pulled his gun out and shot or not. But we appreciate the call and we appreciate well, the question. Well, well no, no, no I, have a, I have a comment. I have comment. My, I, okay. My comment. My comment is, I'm responding to Connie Burton's uh, comment that the cause of this was some was was the economy or poverty. And I would just point out that if you, you, know, you check this out on Wikipedia, you look up at the non-marital rates of birth, 
in the black community, the non-marital rate of birth is somewhere around 70% currently, over double what it is in the, in, 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 in the white community. And I would guess that if you have a 14-year-old boy running around at night, there's a good chance that he's coming from a single-parent home. And so, you know, again, you don't know if he's black or white, but if he was black, the odds are that he did come from a single-parent home. And that, I think, is a huge cause of the violence and the chaos in the black community. Well, I'm definitely not going to get into any part of that on the race issue. I think it is unfortunate on the single-parent home. Uh, it happens. And we have to deal with it. But uh, anyway, we appreciate your call. Thank We're going to so go on much. to the next. Thanks. Thanks, Mike, for your call. But I think we do know, right? I mean, it's public information. It's public knowledge. Yeah, that it was know, a, it, he was a black He was a black young man. He was 14 years of age. He had an older brother who, unfortunately, the father was uh, interviewed. The father had lost his eldest son, two sons. This is the second son to die by Jeez. by gun violence. And, and Chief, I was going to ask you this earlier. I just didn't get the chance to. And it's, it's low-hanging fruit in the conversation about parental participation. It, this wasn't a question of whether or not he didn't have a father or a father wasn't in his life. But sometimes, sometimes, you know, some kids just go bad early. They get a taste of, of the streets a little bit early, and then it, it, they become feral, in a sense, and, and undisciplined. So... I mean, we know the, the statistics, do we not, Chief? Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And, and look, you know, I'm the one who originally brought up the systemic issues. So it wasn't all on Connie. And so only because of my experience, and, and John, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, I'm sure you would agree because of some of your experiences um, that, you know, and it, it, but we still have to have individual accountability. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just very frustrating for me that, um, you know, a, a young kid uh, being down there. And like I said, it, it's, I, I really don't have answers, um, but it, it's very frustrating. And the first thing you think about when you, you know, you hear a 14-year-old involved is exactly what you said at the outset, Chief. What is a 14-year-old doing down there? At uh, at three o'clock in the morning, that's you know that's I With think that's where the conversation. Well, I think gun or no gun, I think that's where the the conversation needs to start. We've got another caller here. Let's let's go to uh, Doug in Tampa. You've been waiting for five minutes. Thanks for waiting patiently, Doug. You're on the air. No problem, Jim. It's always a pleasure. I want to thank Chief Dugan for uh, everything he's done in the past. We miss him at the Carroll at Home Depot. Every time he comes in there, I make sure I find him so he knows who I am. Just <laughs> yep. question. Everybody has been talking about gun control for years, and nobody's wanted to implement a plan. If you were the liaison to try to help fix this, what could we do? Because we know whether it's Ybor City, Lutz, Carewood, South Tampa, if you want a gun, you can get a gun anywhere. So I'm open for that. How How... How can we fix this problem when everybody, even at the White House, everybody talks strong games, but nobody's implementing any any plan of attack? So I'm just going to hush and let you take control. Thank you. Thanks a lot, sir. Thank Thanks you, Jeff. Yeah, you know, um, I can tell you the uh, two things that this country is never going to come to a common ground on, and that's uh, gun control and immigration. Now, we can probably add abortion and mental health issues to that, but... I can assure you those are two things we're never going to come to a ground, into an agreement. You know, last time I had checked, I want to say according to Google, there were 300 million guns in the U.S. And that, you know, let's just say they're off by a couple million. Does it really matter? Um, 
the gun control, that horse has left the barn, in my opinion. Um, you're never getting it. They stop manufacturing guns today in the U.S. We still have 300 million out there. You're never getting them back. And, you know, one of my things is, you know, I think we need people control, quite frankly. And, um, you know, I always say, I'm not worried about the person who's on antidepressants and has a gun. I'm worried about the person who should be on antidepressants and have a gun. And this is what I was talking about of our elementary schools, of talking about gun violence and, and conflict resolution. Because that's the only way I see us out of this is because we're not getting these guns back. And, you know, we can argue about high-capacity magazines and everything else, but What's interesting is both of these guns, according to the media, were stolen. So it's not about gun control, so to speak. It's about people control. People need to lock their guns up and everything. You know, a little-known fact about the Seminole Heights case was that guy went to a local gun shop, legally purchased the gun, waited, did the the standard three-day waiting period, picked up the gun, and two days later started killing people. So... Mm. I don't really have the answer, but I can I can tell you we're not getting the guns back, and that's why I think we need to go back to educating our youth. Well, you know, I have one comment on that is, and you you alluded to it briefly was is this automatic? I'm, I don't know anything about guns, but this automatic weapons, the the magazine that's high able to high capacity, high magazine. capacity, mm-hmm. and you can kill and kill or injure or wound a lot of people very quickly. Bump stocks and suppressors, you know, right. and, 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 and we, and 20 years ago, I think it was under Bill Clinton. We had, we had a federal law that, you know, that prohibited that. I, I don't know how you feel, felt about it. If you thought it was effective, Brian, you were, you were probably out on the streets back then. But, um, I, you know, I think it'd be wonderful as on a federal level, if we could get back to at least addressing that. Yeah. The, the, the high capacity magazines, the reason I, brought that up because that is a concern i'm not a huge gun control guy because you know both of those people should not have had guns on themselves i mean i don't know how much video you saw on social media there was one guy he pulled a gun out i mean i think he was using it for protection but i just find it strange that so many people in particular in ybor city after 1 a.m the number that are caught they're carrying guns is, is pretty frightening um so that, that's the thing. It's, the high-capacity magazines are a concern, but the number of guns that are out there, and the, like I said, so many of them, both of those guns were stolen, and so many, it's amazing to me that people would put a gun in their car and then lock, not lock their doors at night. Oh, yeah. And that's how a lot of these guns are recovered. They're all, most of them are stolen. Chief, your conversation, our conversation today has inspired uh, many callers, and we're, we're grateful for that. We're, we're going to take another one presently. Um, Marlo is calling from Tampa. Marlo, you're on the air. Do you have a question or a comment? Uh, more of a comment, and thank you for taking my call. You know, when you start talking about people being killed by guns, you have so many different situations. And, you know, because you have mass shootings, which are definitely those guns that have been altered are able to make shoot many people at one time then you have the situation like you have an ebor which is definitely something that is is has an economic uh background on it and then you have people who are mentally ill there's so many different things that you have 
And you're right, you're not going to get the guns back. But you can probably control bullets. <laughs> That's that's Chris something, Rock that, once something that we always have bullet said. Bullet control. Yeah, we've always said that. You know, the guns are fine, but what are you going to do with the gun if you don't have no bullets? You're going to have to throw that gun at somebody or or club them over the that head with it, presumably. Like the, and, and there's no chivalry. There's no chivalry in pulling out a gun and just shooting somebody from across the way. If you want to make a point, I've always said, you know, get up close and personal and either put your hands on them or, you know, the old days they would unsheathe a, a, a weapon, a sword, and then they'd have, uh, you know, knife, uh, a knife fight or down and dirty and dirty. Versus bringing back swords. Or sword play. Well, it's an interesting idea, um, controlling bullets. I mean, see, it now I made the, the chief only, laugh. It there might we go. Be the, huh? Now I made the chief laugh. We're it, one for one. But yeah. it might be the only way, the only, the only solution, uh, perhaps. Uh, obviously, Congress is a long way away from doing Any, anything. 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 Consensus. Oh, Any, even, consensus on anything. Out, Mario, even talking well, about it. You, now, you, have a, you have a, you know, constitutionally, you, you have a right to have a gun. But there is no constitutional right to bullets, or hmm. or, or to the high capacity, uh, you know, uh, you know the ability. I think that's where you put the officer on the beat. You put the officer in uniform at a distinct disadvantage. The chief can speak to this personally. Is when you know the uh, the criminal doesn't have to reload, uh, you know, drop a clip and and reload. Uh, that's that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem when uh, when when you you've put the advantage squarely in the hands of the criminal who obviously doesn't care about much going into whatever the situation Marlo, is. Marlo, we thank your you call. so much for your call. We appreciate you. And we're going to go right away to Chris in Plant City. So Chris, we're coming at you in three, two, one. Chris in Plant City. We are all over the bay. Today. Here we go. We're, we we are Sarasota to Plant City. Long, long time listener, first time caller, gentlemen. I was hoping to get your normal screen caller. There you go. There you go. And uh, I hate to interrupt your uh, down and dirty sword fight this morning. On a come Friday. on, Chris. Come on, it's Friday. <laughs> oh, we're just oh, being imaginative today. That's right. That's right. Well, listen. I was uh, one of the uh, one of the people there yesterday. Uh, you know, a proud bartender activist that was going to represent. And Ebor City came out and drove. They were right. They made us stay downstairs in the on the second floor before we could uh, even get up. But we all spoke our piece uh, to represent how we felt about uh, the incident, the unfortunate incident, but also how uh, closing bars early really. Um, that had no bearing on it. This was, uh, you know, a kid who who wasn't who wasn't uh, frequenting the bars. It was just an unfortunate incident that happened on seventh, but really it had nothing to do with someone being overserved or anything like that. As far as I know, I know at our at our establishment that at most we you know we take that security seriously. We've got cameras everywhere in our establishment. We uh, uh, were cognizant about who we serve and how much we serve. So and you, never, you never told me about the cameras. I'm going to have to be a little more careful next time. Yes, that's correct. The and spirit of the Beastie Boys lives on in you. Throw the water at the bar. <laughs> and suffice to say, Chris, nobody reads a room better than a, a professional barkeep uh, whose whose job it depends on on making sure that, that he knows exactly where and, and why and who and when. You know, I mean, you guys do that job and really you're kind of the eyes and ears first and foremost right if things get a little bit wobbly and wonky then you know you've got to maybe activate the alarm system because something's about to happen and and of course your personal safety is is paramount so it starts with you and then it goes there through through the room in which you're working and then certainly spills out into the street if am i close 
Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I brought up to council that that few others did, or maybe they did after I got up and spoke, um, but there's a Facebook group that we that all the local spots kind of can 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 keep people each other abreast on. So if there's you know if there is a customer who's had you know too much to drink or has been walking around or say someone skipped on a tab when someone wasn't paying attention. Uh, we alert all the other people in the area from all the way up and down 7th and 8th Avenue. So That's amazing. Um, Leveraging technology. Have, Bolo, leverage the technology. Uh, yeah, and close attention. To, we've, we've all got each other's back, and it was good to see a whole bunch of friends. Everybody showed up from all the different uh, establishments uh, in Ybor City because uh, it is a huge community, and we all love each other. We all know each other. I've been... Listen, I've been bartending down there for well over 10 years now. So um, everybody's got each other's back. And like I said, it's unfortunate that happens. And, you know, things can get sketchy late at night. But, you know, we uh, we do our best to make sure that so, as, as far as And as far as the police officers, they come into our spot all the time. Uh, another thing I said yesterday is that I, I know how to get a hold of them. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough job. It's a tough job to, to, you know, to protect everybody out there when there's just some people being numbskulls sometimes, you know. So, I, I, Chris, I, I need to give the disclaimer. Uh, this is my wonderful, fantastic uh, stepson, Christopher Humphreys, uh, who works on 8th Avenue. And, Felicidades, Chris. And, um, but, but I was so proud of you. Your mother and I were so proud of you when you went to city council and you let them know how you feel. And, um, and, and you, you were successful. But I do have a question for you, Chris, is there's an idea bouncing around about a curfew um, for young people, yeah, for juveniles, uh, which is could be legally done. I think we actually did it on from city council probably 15, 20 years ago when another incident came up. And uh, I was just wondering how you feel about that. I'm not opposed to that. I do remember when that happened in the past. And and we are a bar restaurant, we're a pub, so we do let underage people in. Although you generally don't see it late at night. Um, underage people are generally coming in with their folks to grab a bite, but the later it gets, you generally don't see that, at least at my spot. Now, down on certain areas in 7th Avenue, I think there are some 18 and up clubs, and, you know, that's up to those bar owners. I, you know, I've never been a fan of that, so it's not something I'm, I'm opposed to. Like I said, we let people in, but when we do have underage people in that late, you know, my security tells me, or we mark them on the hand, and they say, you know, don't serve the people, or we can always caught them again, but we, we, we pay attention to our spot. I'm pretty sure most of the other spots do, and if they're not, you know, that's, that's on them. Yeah, and, and frankly, as a parent or grandparent, you know, there's, there's no reason for young kids under the age of, yeah. what, 16 to be out after midnight period. And the uh, sense that I got was that a lot of the business owners were supportive of that because they're not a part of the economy if they're 14, no, 16 years not. old, you know, going out that Chris, way. Chris, you, 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 we appreciate your call. We appreciate all you do in, in community and, uh, and all you do for, for me and your mother. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We got other people waiting. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Phone's Thank blowing you. up today. Love you, man. Yeah, today, today's phones <clears throat> have been ringing off the hook. Uh, Chief Dugan, I just want to ask you real quick before we get to the next callers, and we're coming rapidly to the close of the show, how important is it for people like Chris and those people that work in that environment to be your eyes and ears, surrogate eyes and ears on the ground and, and kind of keep you guys on the tip? No, they're, they're definitely, you know, I did hear him. I, I didn't realize his relation to John, and um, but I, I did hear him, and I thought he had a very good point. Uh, you know, I, I think it was good that so many people from the business community showed up there, and, I, and it was good for Chris to get up there and talk about how they network together, how they look out for 
hey, this person has had too much to drink, or and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the gist of what he said was, this person's had too much to drink, or maybe they're on to something, be careful about serving them, talking about bill beats, that type of stuff. And I, and I think that that's very important. And he talked about having police officers' phone numbers and stuff. And so, you know, that is a big, big part of it. Um, like I said, I think the, the biggest issue you have in Ebor is that there's a few clubs that are attracting the wrong people. And then, um, for what I'm told, what I've been told this week, a lot of people are talking to me is that they're hanging out in the parking lot and drinking. And look, I'm not naive. I'm sure this was going on when I was the chief of police. I mean, no, nothing is perfect, but I think you're going to start seeing some crackdown on the people hanging out. Uh, the juvenile curfew, I kind of like that, uh, but that could be problematic because how do you prove how old someone is? Uh, how do you approach someone if they're of age? Uh, it, it, I don't know. There's no easy answer. That's the yeah. door. Thank you, Chief. We're going to go to, um, and thank you guys for being so patient with us. I believe this is Allison in Tampa. Am I correct? Allison, you're on the air? Yes, this is Allison, the smoking Cuban, calling to talk to Mario about gun control. Well, let's, let's hear it. what the smoking Cuban lady has to say. How about we bring Jesus into the mix? Not a bad. An amen from anybody for that. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll ring a bell for for JC. And you know what? I think that goes to what the chief was talking about a little bit earlier too. Is just information imparting information to the kids when they're little, and, and, and we it doesn't have to be indoctrination necessarily, but at least letting them know the importance of of you know gun control, and it can come from any well, area. More morals and values. Morals and values can and come from church. That can come without. There church. you go. It can come from every direction, um, no matter what your religion is. And uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I totally agree with you, Allison. I'm not Christian, but I totally agree that uh, the church and the synagogues and the mosques Just institutions can all, that can can all have people influence. Right from wrong. Yeah. I mean, like, I. Yes. Amen. Let's do it. Okay. Um, let's see if we can um, raise the uh, awareness, especially in Ebor. I know Grace Family Church has a satellite church out there. Um, we got all kinds of different opportunities for people to to know Jesus. So let's see if if instead of bringing guns to Ebor, we can bring so much more because that represents a lot of our history and a lot of our abuelas and abuelos live their whole lives there and put so much into it. And to see awful things happening, and it hurts my heart. So that's why I had to call in today. Thank you. Thank Allison. you so much, Allison. We appreciate the call. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for your input. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, we've got one more caller. God, this has been a great... I think we set a record today for calls. Chief, you did it. Chief, you brought us all this good stuff, all this good energy. Chris in Clearwater. We're all over the place today, guys. Chris in Clearwater, you're on the air. Do you have a question or a comment? It's not just a Tampa issue, obviously. Correct. Yes, it's an international issue. If we're going to be attacked, I think that the citizens ought to be armed in order to be able to defend themselves. And you look at uh, Israel Security Minister, Itamar Ben-Gvir, says, that uh, he took to social media along with his wife saying that uh, promoting loosening Israel's strict gun control regulations, that might have protected them. And we need to be able to protect ourselves. I mean, if you look at Israel and, well, first of all, look at, uh, listen to Dr. Fred Harvey on Mondays on your station there. He's warning about the fact that our DNA has been changed in order to continuously produce the spike protein that's caused so many health problems. And according to Israel's own data, it's great expense to their own health. You look at the generals in Israel who are saying that they cannot 
find healthy people to enlist. And so they're going to have to depend on bombs and robots. I think that that's quite intimidating that, uh, you know, if they're going to have any hope of defending themselves, they're going to have to do that. And so, you know, you look at the Israel is occupied by the multinational corporation without allegiance to any country known as Pfizer, where they've required all their citizens to receive the Pfizer shot that's continuously producing the spike protein in people's bodies who've taken it, a liability-free product of the COVID shots that's uh, forced onto a whole population. That's fascism at great expense to their health and lives, as I said, according to Israel's own data. All right, Chris, uh, you've, you've gone a little bit astray on your topics. We appreciate your, your, your call tremendously, and we look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thanks a lot. We've got one more. Shall we do it, boys? Last call. Last call. Last call. Remy from Orlando. We're all over the place today, boys. Remy from Orlando, you're on the air. Thank you for the last call. Thank you for having me on. I wish you all a great weekend ahead of time. Um, the, the horrible, senseless violence that we're seeing more and more often, it is a tragedy, and we hate to see it so close to home here in Tampa or anywhere, for that matter. Everyone in this nation is just so charged up and, and upset with each other. It's either one side or the other. And, uh, you know, rent has gone up. Um, food, cost of food has gone up. And it just seems like everyone's just more and more hopeless. And when you have hopeless people, they do desperate things. They don't have money to take care of their kids. They'll go out and do desperate things. Tensions rise. We see shootings. I think everyone just needs to get back to communicating with each other, where it's not so much one side versus the other, where we can all kind of just sit down, no matter how insane each other's views are to each other, First, just be able to sit down and say, let me just listen to you. And in our heads, even if we think it's insane, just listen to each other and get back to those days where we all just kind of sit down together. And it's not so much of the one side versus the other because it affects everyone. And um, those are beautiful thoughts, beautiful thoughts. And we appreciate the divide. Definitely healing the divide. Yeah, we appreciate you. Thank you, Remy. That's a great great commentary. That's a great commentary with which we can. We can kind of begin to close our show. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with him. I tend to agree with Allison. I tend to agree with everybody that says, you know, you got to take the pot off the boil at some point because we're going to, we're, this is unsustainable. Chief Dugan? Chief Dugan, Brian, we appreciate uh, your 31 years of service to our community. We appreciate you calling in today. I hope you had a good time and uh, you, gre- you brought some great uh, ideas. No, thank you. You guys are, are doing a great job, and this is an important conversation. So uh, thanks to you all. All right. Thanks, you have Chief. a great day. Wow, that was Enjoy good, boys. That was good, boys. That good was good. Job. We we uh, we. I think we did a a, a fair uh, public affairs and and community service today for all of our listeners. We hope you guys and thank you one and all to those that called and sent us uh, text messages and emails. We we read them all and we are we are listening. We are we are listening. And if you want to listen to us next week at ten o'clock, we'll be back here next week's conversation will be just as exciting and just as stimulating. So please stay tuned for that. We'll talk education next week. We'd like to thank all of our callers, emailers, and texters today. Special thanks to Irene, our phone screener extraordinaire. On behalf of engineer Jason Marlowe, co-host John Dinkfelder, I'm Mario Nunez saying salud. Happy days. Stay tuned now for The Skinny with Mitch Perry, Ray Roa, Ben Montgomery. Have a great weekend, everybody.